You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. By using AI, we can put together enough signals to be able to know with certainty and with a high degree of confidence who really is at the end of a transaction. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CyberWire's Hacking Humans podcast, where each week we look behind the social engineering scams, the phishing schemes, and criminal exploits that are making headlines and taking a heavy toll on organizations around the world. I'm Dave Bittner, and joining me is Joe Kerrigan from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. We've got some good stories to share this week, and later in the show, my conversation with Blair Cohen. He's founder, president, and chief evangelist at Authentic ID. We're talking about the notion of using AI to battle AI. All right, Joe, uh, we have some follow-up before we jump into our stories here this we week. do what, indeed. What do we got? Robert writes in and says, regarding the episode from August 3rd, which was like two episodes ago, yep. with the interview with Raj from Trua, mm-hmm. uh, shortly after listening to the episode, I ran across this new product online, and the headline says, world's first chat GPT-powered voice recorder snaps to your iPhone, records calls, summarizes meetings. Huh. And... Uh, I went to the website, and it is it claims to be exactly what it says in this headline, that you can slap it on the back of your phone. It'll uh, listen to everything, transcribe everything, and uh, record everything, does voice recordings, uh, re- will record lectures, uh, and summarize, transcribe and summarize everything for you using ChatGPT. Hmm. Bob's first response was, well, something we can't say on a family show. <laughs> Starts with the word holy. Right. Um, <clears throat> can you imagine this device recording every call or conversation you have and that content being out of your control for the rest of the time? Absolutely dystopian and terrifying. Your podcast should be mandatory listening. Keep up the great work. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, first off, my thinking on this is you really better be careful when you're doing this mm. because – if you don't notify people that you're in uh, that you're recording their phone call and you're in a state like Maryland where we're a two party consent state, yeah, right. They, you're violating the law just recording somebody, even if it's just to transcribe them, right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know how I like this thing. <laughs> it, it is an odd device. I mean, it looks like. Um... Uh, you know those those little sleeves you can put on the back of your phone to hold your credit cards? That's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. yeah. It looks like one of those, except inside the sleeve is a little... And it may be, but that may be part of it, because it looks right. like there's a little device about the size of a credit card that slides in there that I guess is the recording device. What's interesting to me is that, I mean, this is a sort of a brute force workaround to the fact that, it, at least on iOS, like Apple is really deliberate about you not being able to directly record phone calls. Right. There are no apps that can do that. That is just against Apple's rules. <laughs> That's interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So, uh, this is, uh, you know, like I said, it's an end around to do that. Um, so, that's problem one, So as you point out. Uh, but also, as we said in that previous interview, you don't want to be just sending everything up to ChatGPT because it becomes part of their corpus of information and people can ask about it. Yeah, I actually did a little research in this recently. The uh, the OpenAI Terms of Service says that they don't use your input. 
mm. to train the model. Oh, okay. But that doesn't mean they don't get your input and they don't keep your input forever. Right. 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 Um, so, I mean, there's nothing, nothing about that, about that, that sentence. Well, we don't use your input to train our model. We still have it. We train a different <laughs> still, model. With you it. still <laughs> basically uploaded it to a stranger. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You've uploaded it to a stranger. Exactly. Right. Right. No, it's, it's really interesting. So, uh, thank you, Bob, for, uh, sending in your kind note. We do appreciate it. That is, uh, that's a heck of a product there. It <laughs> we'll, is. we'll have a link to that in the show notes. All right, well, let's move on to our stories here. I actually have uh, two stories for us this week, and the first one is a personal one. Okay. Uh, I got a call from my father. Okay. How's your dad doing? <laughs> he's doing He's doing great. Okay. Now, overall, he's doing great. Uh, but I got the call that we all get, those of us who are in tech, Dave, the computer's not working. Right. <laughs> can, you come, can you come fix the computer? Actually, can you help me fix the computer? I'm like, there's no way I can diagnose your computer from over the phone. I'll be over there this afternoon. Yes. Yeah. As well, as all these things popped up on the screen, and it says that the computer's been locked, and it's shut down, and I have to call Microsoft Tech Support, you know, right away, and Windows Defender. And now... There are all sorts of alarm bells going off in my head because, first of all, my father has a Chromebook. Huh? It doesn't have Windows Defender. <laughs> so he just went to a uh, he just went to a website that threw up all this stuff. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So I drop by to uh, visit with my dad and then get it worked out. And uh, sure enough, there's his computer, and it has every. Uh, visual alert that you can imagine is going on on this computer. So there's right. pop-ups that say uh, this computer has been locked. In order to unlock it, you must call Microsoft now. Uh, there's like a, what do they call it? A crawl at the bottom of the screen. You know, yeah, exactly. It's saying like, you know, 47 viruses detected. You know, danger, danger, right? And it's just everything. Right. So... I say, okay, obviously this is a scammer. You know, yep. what her dad happened upon a some website. website. Who knows what it was? It may be a legitimate website that's been hacked. Absolutely. I'm Absolutely. pretty sure that happened to my mom once. Could be. So so now I go through the dance of trying to close all these windows, which they're not going down without a fight. <laughs> right. <laughs> right? So... I, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to click on X's as fast as I can. You know, it's like playing a, I don't know, it's like an eighties arcade game, you know, right. and, and I'm having no luck with this at all. It's like defender, but you don't have a smart bomb. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that is a great way to describe it. So what I end up, uh, force restarting the machine, uh, and then as quick, like as soon as, uh, um, you know, Chrome comes up. I'm just like, close all windows, close right. all windows. Do you want to start where you left off? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, no, no. So um, so we got him up and running again. And, um, you know, I installed um, a privacy badger on his browser, which okay. is the EFFs. Basically, the EFFs very sort of set it and forget it, you know, anti-scammer, anti-ads kind of thing. It's It's very lightweight. It's, it's a Chrome e plugin? Yeah. Okay. Very lightweight, easy to use. It comes from the EFF who, you know, they, they, have, a trustworthy. they have a reputation I trust. Right. Um, and so, you know, we'll see. Hopefully that'll help. You know, sort of shame on me for not having something like that already installed. But I mean, um, you, you took the right step in getting him a Chromebook. Yeah. Um, right, thank you. That's I number agree. one. 
Yeah. But, you know, what's going to happen here if, if he calls any of these numbers is they're going to ask him for a credit card and they're just going to charge a credit card out the wazoo. Right, right, exactly. And that's, that's the scam. Yep. Um, yep. And there's no amount of security product that you can put on a computer that will stop that from happening once he picks up the phone and dials the numbers. True. So. True. Yeah. I, I'll just note as a, as a side thing, you know, for, for the longest time, I would always recommend, um, you know, Macintosh computers for folks who are not computer savvy. Right. Well, my parents, my, you know, my, my friends, family, and loved ones, basically people who I would be doing tech support for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and part of that was because I'm more familiar with Macs than Windows. So it was in my own self-interest, but also, you know, they just tend to not have as many issues, um, all that kind of stuff that, you know, every, we've covered many, many times. I don't do that anymore um, because Chromebooks are so bulletproof. They're so cheap. Yep. Um, you know, if this if worse came to worse with this, I would throw away the Chromebook and buy my dad a new one. Right, and then you have know? him log back into his Google account <laughs> and everything's there. Exactly. So I've they're been, they're practically disposable. I've been a lover of Chromebooks for for a long time. I got my kids Chromebooks when my son started high school, mm-hmm. and my daughter was like, "I am never using this." Yeah. Uh, but my son was like, "Well, I'll use it," and he he kept using it. Uh, and one day he said, "I can't do any of my homework because my Chromebook is broken." Hmm. I said, oh, no. <laughs> no, no, no. You go downstairs to your PC yeah. and log into uh, your account in a Chrome browser window, and all of your stuff will be right there. Right. And he was like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> now I have to go do my homework. Right. He was actually relieved. He thought everything was gone. Ah, uh, um, yeah. But yeah. no, it wasn't gone. It was in the cloud. Right. Um, so you know, he thought it was on the on the Chromebook, and it isn't. It's It's not. It's stored... In in Google's cloud architecture, whatever right. that looks like, right? Uh, and obviously, you know, there are privacy concerns with that. You, right. you got to have your, you got to put, you're putting your trust in Google, right? Uh, but you know, as uh, as companies go who are into surveillance capitalism, they're among the more trustworthy ones. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're they're not. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, they're not out there actively saying we're opposing uh, people. I mean. It, it, they're trustworthy only because we live in America. Yeah. We didn't live in America. We might not feel the same way. As opposed to people who are under the blanket of GDPR? Uh, no, like people who are under the blanket of are living under the protection of, of dear leader or ah, something. I see. Right? Gotcha. gotcha. Where they say we need to have access to this person's account. And I don't know. I, I, I think that Apple would be more like more likely to say no. Yeah. Google would be like, well, we don't want our business to suffer. Right. Yes. Right. Um, yeah, that's and, a good point. And I don't have any knowledge of that other than the fact that when the Chinese government said you have to give us all of your source code in order to do business here in China, they said, okay, here you go. Yeah. And Google, you mean? Google, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that was Google. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's a big market. It is. Yeah. It, it's it's one of the biggest. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so all's well that ends well. Uh, we got a we got dear old dad back up and running, good. and it seems to be so far so good. So you know, <laughs> I said it like like a lot of us when the phone rings and I see it's his it's his name. There's there's, uh, there's two sides of my brain fire off. <laughs> right, I'm like, oh, that's how nice. So I'm gonna, I get to talk to my dad, and the other half is like, uh, what has he done? <laughs> <laughs> right. 
am I going to have to fix his computer or his TV or yeah. <laughs> his washing well, machine or whatever? I've been getting phone calls from my, my parents. <laughs> my, my mom is uh, looking to switch cell phone providers. Uh-huh. And uh, my dad is actually going and getting a smartphone again. Oh. He has been on a flip phone for a while. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. Well, there's something to be said for that. Yeah. All right. You know what? I'm going to skip over my second story here just in the interest of time. Uh, it was kind of thin anyway. It was just about uh, the FBI the FBI warning uh, of people, uh, scammers trying to cheat people after their NFTs. And my, my main reaction to that story was people are still using NFTs. Right. Didn't that just all <laughs> collapse and fail? Well, evidently, there are some, what is uh, Ben Yellen calls them, uh, dead enders. Right, they're they are they are riding this in, oh, okay. into the ground, right? <laughs> they they are holding on to hope that it's all going to turn around. There's going to be a renaissance of NFTs, and and they will have the last laugh. So yes. I wish well, them well, but I I don't hold out hope for them. Yes, I, when, <laughs> I was in the process of trying to figure out whether or not I could make a bunch of NFTs and had a great plan for it, but. Uh-huh. As I started investigating it, that's when the whole market started falling apart. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. This is no longer a waste of my time. I can no longer make money selling people with too much money. Right. Things they don't really need. There you go. So, anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, no links to my story today unless you want to stop by and say hello to my dad. <laughs> <laughs> Check out his Chromebook. Check out his Chromebook. Uh, <laughs> Joe, what do you have for us this week? Dave, actually, this comes from uh, comes to us from the Washington Post by way of my boss, uh, Dr. Tony DeBurro, hmm. who sent this link to me and uh uh, one of our one of our students who we're working on a project with. Yeah. And uh, this is the quiz. Are you smarter than a scammer? Oh boy. Let's uh, let's play this game, Dave. Okay. You got right. the link there. Oh, okay. Let me uh, open it up here. I've I'll... already taken the quiz. Of course you have. I'll tell you how I did after you <laughs> take your quiz. There are eight <laughs> questions on this quiz. Okay. And right. uh, you see a question one. Do you see what it says? Are you smarter than a scammer? Play this game. Okay. Question one. Here we go. Shall I just read the question? Well, I'll give it a little bit. bit of, I'll give it a little bit of background. It looks like it is a cell phone. Ah. Uh, this is a picture of a cell phone on the uh, on the web page, right? But yes, it has a uh, it has a, a text message that someone has received, uh-huh. and it says USPS. The package arrived at the warehouse and cannot be delivered due to incomplete address information. Please confirm your address in the link. And then it has a link and some more things down there. Now, Dave. Yeah. Is this a scam or not a scam? This is a scam. Okay. Yes. Hit the scam button <laughs> and you'll find out you are correct. Oh, okay. I hit the scam button. Yes, correct. This is a scam. Yep. Okay. All right. Do they get harder as we go along? Uh, they do get a little tricky. Okay. All right. Good. I'm up for it. Okay. Question two of eight. Yes. Is a Facebook profile. Mm-hmm. Agent Trich Morgan. Okay. And uh, apparently this is someone reaching out to you and you look at their Facebook profile and says, Agent Trich Morgan on Facebook. Right. Scam or not a scam? I'm going to go with scam. Scam. Okay. Uh, part of which, because I'm looking at the description here and it says, Agent Trich Morgan updated his profile. Picture. So that's a little bit of a red flag to me. Yes, and it is a woman. It is a woman. Yes, right. Agent Trich is a woman. Right, a, a lovely, a lovely woman standing in front of uh, what looks like some government department flag. Yes, American flag. Not really any department that you can identify. Just department. It just says department, and you see an American flag. Right. Yeah, and and she's a, you know fine, fine looking, well dressed 
uh, lady here. So yes. nothing out, nothing unusual or outstanding about her photo. All right, I'm going to click scam. Correct. This is a scam. All right. All right. Question eight of three. Yeah. It's a text message mm-hmm. from a number that's not in your contacts. Yes. And it says, Anna, let's have a barbecue tomorrow. Uh-huh. Now you have three choices here. Is it scam, not a scam, or maybe a scam? Uh, well, hmm. see, this is where, okay. <laughs> I'm going to say my, I think it's a scam because first of all, my name is not Anna. Uh, and, right. But I, so what I'm wondering, see, I'm trying to reverse engineer the quiz now. Right. <laughs> uh, because it's either going to be scam or maybe a scam. Uh, so I'm going to hedge my bets and consider the audience of who this is for, and I'm going to say maybe a scam. Uh-huh. Maybe a scam correct. is correct. Yes. Yeah. Unless yeah. your name is Anna. <laughs> Unless your name is Anna. There is enough information to decide either way. Right. So Right. And we've talked about this scam before. They, they basically try to get you on. They, in other words, they use this phony message to try to start a conversation with you. Right. And then they'll try to sell you, like, cryptocurrency or NFTs or something like <laughs> yes. that. Yeah. And you, too, can be a dead-ender in the NFT world. Yeah, that's right. Okay, next. Next one is an email that comes from Chase Fraud Alert. Okay. And it says, action needed. Please confirm activity. Uh, Chase debit or ATM card, card ending in, and the number's grayed out. Uh-huh. Uh, it says someone's name, and then did you or someone you authorized use your Chase a debit card or ATM card for this declined transaction? Okay. And it has, yes, I recognize it. No, something's wrong. Is this a scam or not a scam? I'm going to say not a scam. Not a scam. Uh, correct. Haha. <laughs> and here's why I thought it was not a scam. Okay. Because it has the email, the return email address is chase at fraudalert.chase.com. Right. So it's the .chase.com that makes me think it's authentic. Yes. Uh, however, we know email return addresses can be spoofed. Yes, we do. So, but, I would um, say that even if you said scam on this one, I would still say right enough for me. Right. Better uh, safe than sorry. You'd make the phone call or uh, you would you know, you'd call Chase at a number that you know that's good. Okay, next up. Question five. Question five is Geek Squad Academy. Dear customer, thank you for choosing Geek Squad for your computer antivirus plan. As today is the auto renew date, you'll be charged the amount of $419 for the Geek Squad antivirus plan. And it goes on to say, uh, here's all your personal information. However, if you want to call off the subscription, you can reach us at the helpline number 1866 and some number. Yeah. Uh, scam or not a scam? Scam. Scam, right. Absolutely. We talk about these all the time. Yeah. In fact, my, I just, it's funny. My dad got one of these uh, right before things went bad for him. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent it on to me. He says, is this something I need to reply to? I'm like, no, dad, no, no. You delete it. Just get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yep. And the scam is that they're going to try to get you to call. Right. They're, they're trying, they're, they're uh, eliciting a response from you because odds are, nearly 100% that you never engaged with the Geek Squad or any antivirus plan or anything. Right. So when you see this, you think to yourself, what? I never did that. This is going to auto-renew? Well, I better call them and give them a piece of my mind. Right. And And then they go, okay, fine. We're going to install this software on your machine, and we're going to log into your bank account to make sure that everything's right, and then they're just going to steal all your money. That's right. Terrible. That's right. Okay. Uh, The next one is a voicemail. I don't know if we can put it in there. Why not? Let's let me listen to it here. Okay. 
Hi there. This call is to remind you that 50% discount offer on your Comcast Xfinity account expires today. In order to avail the discount, please call back at 866-310-0608 from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Thank you, and have a great day. Right. Yeah, I'm going with scam. Scam, right. Yes. <laughs> that is obviously a scam. We are so cynical, Joe. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So why why do we how do we know this is a scam? Uh Comcast doesn't call you to give you 50% off. They just don't do it. It's not no. in your interest. Uh, also, you know, <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> if anything, they're going to raise your prices and try to hide it from you. Right. Yeah. That's what they all do. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm not. I'm not just picking on Comcast. Verizon <laughs> does that too. All the cable providers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Mm-hmm. All right. Question seven of eight. Okay. Question seven of eight. It is a Facebook Messenger ch- chat on the marketplace listing that you just made, and somebody says still available for sale, and you have said yes. All right, we'll pay you up front now, and my girl will come pick it up once the payment is cleared. I only got Zelle for payment. Mm. And you respond, okay. You got Zelle? Yes, but I need to check to make sure there's no way I can be scammed. No offense, but it's just too rampant for me to not investigate a bit. And the person responds, all right, Zelle is a fast, safe, and easy way to send money. And you receive money from people you know and trust who have a bank account in the U.S., Mm. Is this a scam or not a scam? <sighs> you know, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't know enough about the protections that Zelle has in place. I know Zelle is run by a bank. Yes. Uh, so I would, I would hope that there'd be some consumer protections. But on the other hand, with so many of these uh, online payment systems, there is no way to claw it back. Right. Um, scam or not scam? <sighs> I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to go with scam because of the person's insistence on using this and only this. Okay. Because if they only have Zelle for payment and there's actually a face to face exchange that's going to happen, well, bring me some cash right. or, you know, something like that. So yes. I'm, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure on this one, but I'm going with scam. Scam is correct. All right. This is a scam. If you're selling a bike or anything on Facebook Marketplace, and immediately have an interested buyer who wants to pay up front and have a third party pick it up. They aren't interested in going for a ride or test driving or whatever it is, but they want to. What they want to do is break into your Zelle account. Hmm. That's what they're trying to do. Okay. So uh, one of the things they point out is that the Zelle has the registered trademark circle after it. Yeah. Um, and it looks like they just copied this text from uh, from the Zelle website to paste it into the Facebook Messenger. Hmm. So that's what they're going for here. But yes, you said scam, uh, and it is in fact a scam. What's the scam here? Uh, they're just trying to get access to your Zelle account. They're going to try to flim flam you, fast talk you. Okay. Um, I see. So once you establish this transactional history, then they've got a hook in you and they're going to try to. Right. They, they probably have your email address immediately. And they're probably going to send you an email impersonating Zelle. Ah, right. Okay. So that's what's next. Yep. Okay. All right. And finally, we have a web page that says, in regards to Facebook Incorporated Consumer Privacy User Profile Litigation, United States District Court for the, for the District of Northern of California, Northern District of California, yeah. uh, filed a claim. Click here to edit your claim. The deadline for submitting a claim form is August 25th, 2023 at uh, 11.59 p.m. 
Mm. So is this a scam or not a scam? Oh, goodness. I can't tell. Uh, Again, if I don't know, I'm going to err on the side of scam. I would say the URL, the the, uh, domain name is facebookuserprivacysettlement.com, which seems awfully long to me. It does. But that also seems like the kind of uh, domain that some law firm would set up on behalf of Facebook. Mm. So it's possible it could be legit. But I would say if I got this, seeing here what I'm seeing, I would not click through on this. I would, if I think I'm entitled to something, I would try to get at the information for this by other means rather than clicking through. And and also a part of this, this quiz has no information about how I came to be on this webpage Correct. to begin with. That, that is so, one of the shortfalls of this quiz. <clears throat> yeah. So I'm going to go with scam. Scam. Yep. Oh, not quite. Oh, not quite. Mm. This is not a scam. Okay. Now, here's the thing, Dave. Yeah. Don't feel bad. Okay. Because you are in good company. <laughs> <laughs> okay. None other than, than Dr. Tony DeBura scored exactly the same way you did. Oh. Missing only the last question. And uh, said that the said that the input was iffy. And he's got a PhD. He does. <laughs> I also scored uh, seven out of seven out of eight, but okay. I did not miss this one. Oh. Probably because I heard from Tony that the last one was iffy, so uh. I said, "Okay, not a scam." And I, <laughs> I did this, but I missed the one about Zell. Okay, I didn't think that was a scam. Mm-hmm. So I would have been like, "All right, I have Zell. Here's my here's my number. Send or send me the Zell money." Yeah. But okay. I don't have Zell, so I'd be like, "No, I don't have Zell," and I don't know how that would have worked out for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I would. I don't feel bad about how I did. Yeah, I guess I would have liked to have gotten them all. It, I, it feels I feel, good when you get them all. Well, it does, and I feel like as as deep as you and I are into all of this, right. I feel like we should have gotten them all. <laughs> I'll tell you that our student did, in fact, get them all. Oh, she got okay, all good the for them. Eight. Yeah. Yeah, I guess, I mean, uh, maybe I'm just making excuses for for us, but I, I think it also illustrates how tricky this can be. And then, as we always say here, anybody can fall for these things. They sure can. And they're they're built in such a way to be tricky. So, yeah. All right. Well, that, that was an interesting quiz. That was fun. I You know, this would be a good one to share with your friends and family. Yes. A uh, very good one to share with your friends and family. And there's a link in the show notes, so you can yeah. send it all out and— Tell them you scored eight out of eight because you heard it on the show first. <laughs> That's right. We gave away all right. the Because it's not the like they're rotating through random questions. No, these it's are just the exact same eight. questions that I took <laughs> okay. yesterday. All right. Well, no fair <laughs> cheating, dear listeners. All right. Well, we, as you say, we will have a, a link to that in the show notes. Uh, Joe, it is time to move on to our catch of the day. Dave, our catch of the day comes from Steve, uh, and it's an email that is just fantastic. Uh, the subject is pay, pound sign, 581. Mm. Pay number 581. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to muddle your way through this? <laughs> sure. It says, payment details, receipt, 2X, order number 1, 1X, order number 2, account number 96167, your account summary, Amount paid, $355.93. Pervious unpaid balance, $893.87. Confirmation number, payment.
payment method, credit card, download invoice. Kindly download your invoice. Note, your order has been confirmation. <laughs> Regards, we set all details attached with this email. Thank you for your choose us. Support, Giovanni Clayson. So there's a link here for download your invoice, and Steve actually has uh, deobfuscated it. It goes to a tiny URL link. Right, it was which a is link shortener. A link shortener. Yep. Uh, and then that wound up going to some other site that was called getscreen.me, which installs a, which is a link to a, a rat or a remote administration tool, or if it's more malicious, remote access Trojan. Right. So it's just somebody trying to install something you do not want on your machine. Yeah. Do you remember off the top of your head what the, the magic uh, incantation is to reveal a tiny URL to expand it without going to it. There is something like that. There was an exclamation point you put after the, uh, but that was for Bitly. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. I think okay. that's for Bitly. That's what I'm thinking of. All right. Well, I think on um, my, again, I'm, I'm talking off the top of my head here, but, uh, or the other end of my body. And um, <laughs> I believe if you, you can go to tiny URL or any of these, uh, sh- link shorteners, right? And you can put in the shortened link, and it will show you what it's going to go to before you go there, right? And so you can see what you're in for uh, ahead of time, which is you know a good idea if you don't know if you don't trust it. And these days, you shouldn't trust it. All right. Well, our thanks to Steve for sending that in. And of course, we would love to hear from you if there's something you'd like us to consider for our catch of the day. You can email us. It's hackinghumans at n2k.com. Yes, and send in those uh, catches of the day. We're running low on them. Mm. So send them in. All right. Now we'll get a bunch of them. (laughs) Yes, we will. Joe, I uh, recently had the pleasure of speaking with Blair Cohen. He is the founder, president, and chief evangelist at an organization called Authentic ID. And uh, we're talking about this notion of using AI against AI. Here's my conversation with Blair Cohen. The state of things is super frightening today, Dave. ChatGPT, I think, what it's done and what all the other large language models have done has been to just bring the power of AI to normal people. You know, this capability to replicate your face, replicate your voice, replicate any biometric modality, that's kind of been around for a while, but it took a lot of skill. And now with the large language models and some decent understanding of scripting languages, you can just talk to the computer now and have it create all kinds of synthetic stuff in in a lot of cases that has never actually existed in the real world. So synthetic faces, synthetic voices, I'm scared. And so where does this lead us when it comes to things like online authentication? It leads us to a a place where there becomes a lot less trust in any remote transaction, any remote marketplace, any social network network. Unless something is really done from an underwriting standpoint, we're starting to see that happen where we're now getting verified accounts on places like Instagram and Twitter that have never existed in the past. So in the past, you've had bots that have opened up just 
a gazillion fake, bogus accounts that they've been seeding and, and using for nefarious purposes in a lot of cases. In a lot of cases, they're just seeding those and waiting to bust out and use them for nefarious purposes. But uh, that's where we are. Um, if people start doing a better job underwriting and making sure that a real human is behind this avatar, a real human is behind this identity, then we can begin to trust these marketplaces again. But today, I think there's a lot of lack of trust, if you would. Well, I think one of the challenges that we always talk about with this sort of thing is how can organizations do this at scale? And I know one of the things that you and your colleagues are advocating here is using some of these AI tools to assist the good guys in, in trying to authenticate people. Can you, can you describe what you're up to? So that's precisely what we're doing. I, we're, you know, companies like Authentic ID have been trying to instill trust in these marketplaces, in these social networks, in these ecosystems. If you think about something like uh, an Airbnb, that's pretty personal. You're, you're allowing people into your home. So there really needs to be a lot of trust in, in those ecosystems. And that's what we're doing is by using AI and giving people the convenience of being able to do this from their sofa on a Sunday, Sunday morning, we can put together enough signals to be able to know with certainty and with a high degree of confidence who really is at the end of a transaction? And primarily that's being accomplished today using biometrics. But that's where AI comes to play. And the, the bad actors also have access to biometric technologies and have been reverse engineering it. So you know, there, there's the rub. It can be used for good, but it can also be used for bad. So it's in this constant game of whack-a-mole so that's we're we're constantly whacking down the mole and killing those guys. <laughs> but you know, every day a new one a new one arises. And unfortunately, you know, our arms are bound. It's like playing table tennis with one hand tied behind your back or both hands tied behind your back. Can you give us some insights of, of the types of things that you all are doing? I mean, what what does AI bring to the table uh, that helps you with, with this task? So what AI allows us to do is to see things that humans can't see. It allows us to build DNNs, which are dynamic neural networks, and large neural networks that make convolutions of images. And that's a lot of fancy words to say that I could take one image of your face, make 50 different iterations of your face using AI and train a model on that so that the next time it sees your face, it can know for sure that it's really Dave and not somebody else. So AI allows us to see artifacts in images today and in voice prints today that humans wouldn't be able to see. So it prevents, we, we deal with organized criminals, organized fraudsters who are trying to scam some of the largest banks and telcos in the world, which are who we protect. So they get quite creative. And AI allows us to see these artifacts. There's no way for somebody to take over your face because it has to be replayed somehow. It has to be replayed via some sort of camera sensor or injected into the ecosystem in some way, shape, or form. And when that happens, our AI is able to 
distinguish those artifacts and know that that's really some sort of a replay and not a real person that's at the end of that camera. How do you deal with things like either false positives or false negatives? You know, we we hear news stories about uh, facial recognition systems, you know, getting things wrong, people being falsely accused of things uh, in that case. How do you address that sort of concern? You know, today there are probably 2,000 different vendors that hawk some sort of facial recognition uh, algorithm with varying degrees of success. But if you look at the top 20 algorithms that exist in the world, these are all evaluated by a quasi-governmental entity called the National Institute of Standards and Technology. NIST is the acronym for that. And NIST very painstakingly goes through and evaluates every single algorithm that is submitted on a monthly basis. And if you look at performance, the variance across genders, male, female, across skin colors, whether really, you know, they've got six different variations of skin colors across ages, the variance is indistinguishable. Uh, They've even gone further into evaluating an algorithm's performance based on where a person was born. So they're looking at you know, the different characteristics of 28 different countries that exist around the globe and evaluating the algorithm's performance based on those characteristics. And you'll find that today's top performing algorithms have trained on that type of data, therefore perform really well. I think there's just been a lot of really poor journalism out there that conflated and, you know, didn't really accurately report how the algorithms performed in, in a lot of cases. They weren't properly utilized. So today's algorithms, I don't think it's, it's much of a concern. Where do you suppose we're headed with this? When, when you look towards the horizon, you know, what does the future hold for authenticating people online? I think that biometrics are, despite the fact that regulatory pressure and new guidance continue to come out on nearly a daily basis these days, I still see biometrics winning. It's the only way to know for sure who completed a transaction, who performed a transaction. Today, you have different types of fraud. You have third-party fraud where somebody knows enough about me where they've taken over my account. That's third-party fraud. But you know, a lot of fraud today is real people that call up Neiman Marcus at the end of the month and say, wait a minute, I didn't do that. And Neiman's doesn't really have any way to prove that it wasn't Blair. So they end up writing off a lot of bad debt that gets written off as bad debt, but it's really fraud and it's first party fraud. Whereas with biometrics, that can't really happen either, right? I'm going to be able to know for sure that that really was Blair that bought all that stuff at Neiman Marcus. Not that I can afford to shop there, but (laughs) that's where it's going to go. Uh, But I think, that as AI continues to advance, biometrics are going to involve a little bit more friction. Today, it's pretty much frictionless. I'm able to just show my face and instantly we can apply all the loudness algorithms and all the matching algorithms and make sure that it's really me and I'm really alive and present in that moment. Today, that's good enough. Uh, But is it going to be good enough tomorrow? Maybe not. I, I think that we may see that turn to multimodal. So it's going to require me to show my face and a fingerprint. 
or my face and a voice print or my face and a voice print that makes me say a dynamic phrase is being shown on the screen in front of me. But at the end of the day, biometrics will win out. Joe, what do you think? So do LLMs really bring the power of AI to the masses like Blair says? Hmm. Do you think? I mean, I guess they do, right? I think they do. They, uh, by, they I, give people the tool or, you know, you have like if you run to chat GPT and start entering text, and it'll start responding to you. Yeah. And you'll be able to use that to generate stuff that might be useful to you. But that's true. Uh, I think it's a bit of a magic trick, though. Yeah. You know, like it's it, there are there are undoubtedly good, legit uses for it. But right. I guess um, there are also too few guardrails right. in my and estimation. Actually, my next question was, is is that good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I like to think that it is because I'm the kind of guy that says, yeah, a hammer is a tool. Yeah. It can be used to uh, build a house or tear one down, right? Right. Um, but I, I tend to think that, yeah, we're better off with it than without it. Okay. I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you be mindful that it's out there and that these people, the, these tools can be used to generate very effective deceptive text. That's right. Um, there needs to be a lot less trust in general from, from people to people now more than ever with, mm. with these things out there that help people be deceptive. Yeah. Um, I would say that there's no way that you can trust anything is a real person on any social media account. Mm. I, I just don't, unless you know that person personally, mm-hmm. right? Like on Facebook, everyone I'm connected with, I've met personally. Right. I know who they are. And I talk to them about, okay, yeah, I remember when I posted that on Facebook? That was years ago. And they go, yeah. And then I, I will send them messages. It's really the only reason I still have a Facebook account is because I've said this before. I, I use the messenger to communicate with people. Right. Um, there is an attempt to build the trust in social media. And I think that even if everyone on a platform is verified, I think it would still suck. Okay. You know, it would still be the same group of people saying the same things. You know, you, you've, you know why you left Facebook, right? Right. It's because you had people on there spouting all kinds of stuff. And it was why I kind of walked away from all social media. Yeah. You know, it was just... I don't want to hear your political opinions, period. I really don't. <laughs> and if, if you want to talk politics, we're not going to talk politics on Facebook and have a productive conversation where one of us changes our mind. That is not going to happen. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I just don't think that it's, it's really a, a productive place to have those things. And there's that perverse incentive from every social media company to keep you engaged to show you things you either want to see because you like them or you want to see because they make you angry. Yeah. Um, let, let me yes and you. Yes and. Um, in that uh, when I uh, dropped off – so, yes, I dropped off of Facebook years ago. Yes. Uh, it was pre-pandemic. Um, and then more recently I dropped off Twitter. Right. For all the reasons people are dropping off Twitter these days. You mean X, Dave. I stand corrected. <laughs> and uh, – uh, but I switched to Mastodon, and right. I have to say I'm really liking Mastodon, and I think one of the reasons I like it so much is that there is no algorithm. 
They're not trying. It is. There's nothing on my timeline that's algorithmically generated. It's people you follow, people who follow you. Um, so anything I see is either something that I specifically said I'm interested in, or someone I'm already interested in is sharing that I can see. Right. Uh, and it makes all the difference in the world. Uh, is Mastodon perfect? No. I mean, there's still, you know, there are dark corners of Mastodon and just like everywhere else. Right. And they deal with content moderation and all of those kinds of things. But I will say that just in terms of the pleasure, the, the quality of discourse and not ratcheting up my level of anxiety, I've been quite pleased with uh, what I've built on Mastodon. And I think that's another thing to to be mindful of is that it takes a little more work to build a Mastodon instance because you have to go, the feed's not just going to start putting stuff in front of you. Right. You have to go out and get it. Yeah. But once you put in the work, it's quite pleasant. All right. So that's Maybe that's I'll start my, a Mastodon that's account. My, I, that's my pitch for Mastodon. I have one Mastodon <laughs> account out there on one of the servers somewhere. Yeah. I think it's the one that Maria Vermas has recommended at one point in time. Okay. Yeah. It's like a cybersecurity Mastodon yes. server. Yep. Yep. Uh, Absolutely. But I... If I'm going to do a uh, a personal Mastodon server, I'm just going to look for something that interests me. Right. Um, and maybe go out there. I don't know what I would even find. Is there a grumpy old man Mastodon? I'll bet you there is. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's where I would be. I'm on one called Hackaderm, which partially I just liked the pun. Right. Uh, but I did some digging in. in and, um, you know, the people who run that instance, they're um, uh, sensibilities align with my own overall. So... You know, I I figure, all right, this is who I'll hitch my wagon to. And so far, I haven't regretted it. But okay, do shop around. There are lots of them out there. Of, and all, it's a spectrum of quality. But, right. <laughs> but again, it just, my experience has been, it's been worth it. Good. So what else about our interview with Blair here? Right, Joe? yeah. we I went off on a social media tirade That's there. That's all right. And uh, I, you know what, Dave, you've convinced me I'm going to try Mastodon. I'm going to start looking <laughs> for it. I'll let you, I'll give you a report next week. Yeah, I'll, I'll know. <laughs> Because you're going to look me up. <laughs> I, I guess I will. Yes, yes. So All right. AI allows the construction of models that permit uh, the verification of people. And I have been asked multiple times if I want to save my voice print with a company. Uh-huh. And I say no. Okay. There's a company I do business with where they go, hey, your voice can be your password. I'm like, I don't know that I trust you with that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I shouldn't feel that way. I don't know how I should feel about this. Because we keep talking about these uh, these biometrics, and I admit that I have lost the battle on this, mm-hmm. that we're going to have to go with biometrics. And uh, I like Blair's example here of going with the with – the, he talks about going to Neiman Marcus, and, and somebody you know fraud, fraudulently says that those were fraudulently charged to my account. Right. Right? I fraudulently – is hard to say over and over again, but um, <laughs> it's it, it makes perfect sense. I mean, because that is a loss to that business that increased cost to everybody else. Yeah. Um, even if essentially it's just shoplifting using your credit card. Right. But if you have biometrics there and they have a face scan of you while you're standing there and it's not all that obtrusive, they would be able to say, no, this was you standing there. We have your biometric data. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if there would be any ramifications for that, though, because now you've just attempted to commit fraud. Maybe it's just your word against theirs, or I don't know. I don't know where that yeah. goes down the road. I like to think, you know, I, whenever I hear an example like this, I start uh, going down the road with what does that mean? 
You know, how does that, right. how, does that how does that wind up? Do people yeah. now have to face criminal charges because they tried to tried to uh, essentially shoplift using their credit card? Yeah. I don't know. Well, and you think about the two sides of like in a retail situation where if someone tried to do a, a, a scam like this and, and they sent them a note that said, hey, is this you standing in front of our register? You right. Know, it sure looks like you. On the one hand, there's that. But on the other hand, what what sort of pushback, like how would you react if you went to your your local Macy's and they said, okay, before we ring you up, uh, I need you to look into this camera. Yeah. You know, like, like, somehow <laughs> or, I don't think you'd be okay with that. Or just one of those little like, lasers comes out and scans your face. You right. know, a little red line right. goes exactly. Down, on, on your way like, up the escalator, we weighed you. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like, right. So. You need to eat more vegetables, Joe. <laughs> I know. Yeah, exactly. You sound like my doctor. Yeah. <laughs> so it's tough. Yeah. It's tough. Um, one final point I want to talk about is uh, what Blair said about NIST looking at the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is good, these AI algorithms, because in the past there were algorithms that did have a hard time differentiating uh, different groups of color of, of, uh, based on your, your skin pigmentation. Right. People with darker pigmentation had, um, had more false positives and false negatives than people with lighter uh, pigmentation. And now... NIST looks at things like skin color, place of birth, which is uh, a different metric, age, which is very important to you and me, yeah. right? Uh, and these algorithms have gotten a lot better. So I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. Um, that, that this is less of a problem than it used to, used to be. Yeah. That doesn't mean the problem has gone away completely. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, we're talking about my... My feeling on these things is I don't want these things being used for law enforcement or being uh, you know held up in a court of law. Right. You know, uh, I think I don't think there is as pseudoscience as as some of the things out there that also don't stand up in a court of law. There definitely is a real science behind it, but I just don't think they're ready yet. Yeah. For this kind of for this kind of uh trust. Yeah, I think the burden of proof is on them. Yes. Yeah. All right. Well, again, our thanks to Blair Cohen for joining us. Uh, Again, he is the president uh, and chief evangelist at Authentic ID, and we do appreciate him taking the time for us. That is our show. We want to thank all of you for listening. Our thanks to the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute for their participation. You can learn more at isi.jhu.edu. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. The show is edited by Elliot Peltzman. Our senior producer is Jennifer Iben. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie. I'm Dave Bittner. And I'm Joe Kerrigan. Thanks for listening. 